you're listening to Orgasmic Relationships, a podcast designed to show women how to create deep, passionate, soul-stirring relationships. Each week, we will discuss topics ranging from dating, situationships, marriage, divorce, and everything in between. So if you're ready to transform your love life and shift your perspective about what's really possible for you, you're in the right place. there, ladies, and welcome to another episode of Orgasmic Relationships. I am your host, Sharika Matthews, life coach and relationship expert. What comes to mind when you hear the phrase relationship burnout? When I hear the phrase relationship burnout, I immediately see an image of a woman who's carrying the weight of the relationship success on her shoulders. No matter what the sacrifices, no matter what the personal cost is going to be, she is determined to make this relationship work, no matter how hard she has to work and no matter how long she has to work. But according to one expert, relationship burnout occurs when one or both one of both partners in a relationship start developing feelings of exhaustion, depression, and even resentment and pessimism about either their partner or about the direction the relationship is going. And for many couples who don't recognize that they're building up this these feelings, or even if they don't realize how much work they're really doing for the relationship, they don't often see those signs and symptoms, and it'll end up with with them feeling even more resentment and possibly lead to breakups or divorce. So to help us take a deeper dive into what relationship burnout really is and how to revive a relationship, I have our special guest with us today, Carolyn Sharp, who is a relationship expert and couples therapist who helps busy, overwhelmed couples revive their relationship and go from blah to bliss. Welcome, Carolyn. How are you today? I'm great, Sharika. Thank you so much for having me on. It's such such an honor to get to be with you uh, here. Well, thank you. And I appreciate you taking your time here today. And, and this is another one of those conversations that I am really looking forward to because I think, and I see this a lot with women because I work with women mostly, but I see relationship burnout happening with women who aren't just in just dating someone or married to someone, but also see it in people who are dating, like just trying to find that partner as well. So I wanted to ask you from your expert opinion, what is relationship burnout? How do you define that? Well, I define, I mean, first of all, this is such a critical conversation to be having right now um, because so many couples are struggling. Um, So many women in relationship are struggling. So I'm so grateful um, that we're talking about this. But I define relationship burnout in a lot of the ways you've just mentioned. A period of time, a phase in the relationship where the energy is is leaving the building and where we're feeling hopeless we're feeling resentful, we're feeling like we can't see the light uh, in the relationship or at the end of the tunnel of struggle that we're having. And we feel like giving up or like we're getting much, much less than we're putting in. So that's really how I define it. Yeah. And anytime you begin to give more than what you're getting out of the relationship, that's always going to leave you feeling depleted, 
And, and just even from my experience, I feel like it also affects other areas of your life, right? Because I've been in relationships before where I don't know if I got to the point of feeling resentful towards that person or towards the relationship, but I've definitely felt as if, you know, I was feeling hopeless about the relationship, not feeling as if there was going to be a healthy future for us. And you kind of lean back or start pulling away a little bit, but some people began to lean more into it to try and force it to work. But either way, (laughs) it begins to have a negative effect, not just in your relationship, but also in other areas of your life. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. And couples don't realize, people don't realize that, you know, we're born in relationship as Harville Hendricks is the one that this quote is from. You're born in relationship, we're broken in relationship, and we're healed in relationship. Mm. As babies, we're completely dependent on other people, right, for our survival. And that is wired into us. So relationships happen to, for those of us in committed intimate relationships, relationships happen to be that ha- happen to be the thing that has the greatest impact on our physical and emotional health. It's not to say everything yeah. else isn't important, but we're neurobiologically wired together. And so if our relationship isn't going well, if, you know, we're, 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 you know, uh, you know, crabbing at each other or bickering or whatever it is, it takes a toll on us and we'll be distracted and irritable and not sleep yeah. as well and all that sort of stuff. And so when we get burned out, uh, it's, it's hugely impactful, um, and so it, it, we do need to figure out, uh, I talk about it in terms of learning to work smarter, not harder, because we will just yeah. lean in and keep doing and doing and doing, sort of upping our efforts in the same ways we've been doing it. And, you know, resentment and tiredness is a signal that we're not doing it in the, in the way that's working. And we need to shift gears um, in order to find a better way to revive the yeah. relationship, reconnect, um, reconnect to our partner and reconnect to ourself um, because that's part of the the challenge in burnout is we sort of we're flailing around in exhaustion trying to find something that feels restful uh, and healing and connecting and none of it's working and so we just keep spinning out yeah you brought up so many good points here just in that one statement Carolyn you know we I don't think we really realize how important relationships are. I mean, when when we talk about relationships, our immediate thought goes to romantic relationships or marriages or something like that. But from the moment you're born, you're in relationship. Mm-hmm. Before we're born, and really. We talk, yeah, even before we're born, right? And when we talk about relationship burnout, it is not solely for romantic relationships. You can get relationship burnout with family members, relationship burnout with siblings or coworkers. Relationship burnout can happen in any relationship. It just so happens here we're talking about romantic relationship. And mm-hmm. what did you say earlier about relationships? We're made in relationship. We're yep. Healed we're, and we're broken in relationships. Say that again for me. We're born in relationship, we're broken in relationship, and we're healed in relationship. So it all happens in relationship. Yeah. All of our emotional learning happens mm-hmm. in relationship. All of our emotional emotional strain happens in relationship. Relationship to our job, relationship to our boss, relationship to our neighbor. All of it happens in relationship. And it's through those relationships that we heal as well. Um, so... Yeah. 
it's it's incredibly powerful and difficult. Relationships are just hard because <laughs> humans yeah. are sort of, uh, I've been talking about this a lot in the last couple of few years, humans are just a disaster of a species. I mean, we are the most self-destructive <laughs> right. species. You know, we're the only mammal that compares ourselves to others in our species. You know, there aren't dogs and whales sort of ranking the other dogs or whales around them. We do that. And it, you know, it's, it's the source of war and all of that stuff. So being in relationship with another human being is just difficult. And yeah. I mean, one thing I want to speak to about burnout, I'm sorry, I'm going all over the place. There is so mm-hmm. much trauma and strain and scary things happening out in the world, a, a global pandemic, all of the injustice happening in our country, all the violence yeah. happening in our country, both physical violence, political violence, verbal violence, all of it um, is so traumatic. And so, and yeah. you know, we were, we were locked inside for a long time with sometimes just ourselves, sometimes just another person. And sometimes, you know, in my household, there were six of us locked in a house. And so the, the form of relationship burnout that takes place across that spectrum from a person living by themselves to a person just with their partner to a person with their partner and their kids and maybe their parents and all that sort of stuff. There's many, many layers, but in terms of burnout, we're experiencing individual burnout and have no place to go with it except into our relationships. And so, you know, is it relationship burnout or is it just burnout burnout that is getting applied to the relationship because we have no place to go? I threw a lot at you. Sorry about that. (laughs) No, it's okay. Um, But, but your last statement is something I hadn't thought about before. We're experiencing burnout in general and then we're bringing that burnout energy into our relationship. And it's important mm-hmm. to differentiate between that and relationship burnout itself. Because, you know, I still work full time and I work in um, in the chemical industry. And I don't know what has happened over the last two years, but we don't, the workforce is bare minimal. Like we are trying to hire and there aren't people to hire. And it's across all the industries here, like from bus drivers to teachers, engineers, doctors, like where did people go? And so now you're in your your day-to-day life, you're almost in survival mode every single day because you're you're working all the time, you're stressed all the time, you're fighting all the time for your job or for projects or for whatever it is you're you're doing, and then you come home. And you have all that pent up frustration. And unfortunately, we don't always take it out on sex. You know, sex is a great way to <laughs> release some of this frustration. But <laughs> it may come home and, and it may show up as um, just regular frustration or it may show up as, um, you know, you, you don't like being home anymore. You don't mm-hmm. like being in a relationship. Mm-hmm. It shows up in so many different ways. And, mm-hmm. and so it begs the question, Carolyn, what, what are the dangers of confusing personal burnout with relationship burnout? That's such a, a intense and, and important question. Um, they're huge. Um, and this is something I'm yeah. encouraging people in, in my coaching practice so much is to recognize how hard things are 
right now. And early in the pandemic, when I was talking to folks and early in, you know, the political strife that predated the um, pandemic, uh, it was people were very aware of it um, and talking about it. And I was encouraging them to use their relationship to support each other. And then we piled the pandemic on top of that. And at a certain point, people become exhausted from even acknowledging it. Um, yeah. And so they just don't want to talk about it anymore. But the impacts of it are still huge. And if we're not talking about it, it's going to come out. And it comes out. And I mean, you see this everywhere. As, as you were just speaking about um, the overwhelm in the workforce. And in as a result of that, the people in the workforce are dealing with more impatient customers and coworkers and bosses because everybody everybody's stress is mounting. Um, I think about what came to mind is yeah. flight attendants, bus drivers, people in the in the travel industry who are dealing with you know they're they're overworked, they don't have enough staff, and customers are being ruder and ruder and ruder. So the stress upon yeah. stress upon stress, and then they go home. They don't want to talk about it because they're just too tired, but that stress is going to come out. So we have to talk about it. We have to acknowledge to our partners that we're overwhelmed and stressed and just so so frustrated from the world sort of being taken out on us by, you know, if we're a, you know, a checkout clerk at the grocery store, people are ruder to us. If we're, you know, anything. Yeah. Um, and so we have to use each other for support around that and name what is what are the different levels of stress so we can differentiate between the relationship stress and the life stress because otherwise we're going to deal with it in the person that to the person that's in front of us which is most often our partners and yeah. so that's what I'm trying to help people detangle is this really a relationship problem or is this a function of everything else in the world that you're bringing to your relationship and help figure out what's what so that we can correctly work on the things in the relationship and then provide coping and support for the things that are outside of the relationship. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So how do we, cause even thinking in my own life, um, you know, personal stress is real. <laughs> <laughs> there's we, yeah. we live in a stressful I think the past five years has been stressful and as you were talking I'm like we are two and a half years into this pandemic and we're still talking about the pandemic itself and the effects of the pandemic on society and on our relationships like back in 2020 I would have never imagined that this would have been so long lasting and the impact of it being so significant, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and like you were saying earlier, I find myself coming home and not wanting to talk about the stressors in my life, whether it's the stressors of work or, you know, the stress of what's happening in the news and injustices and all that, because I'm like, that's stressful. I don't want to talk about that at home. In an effort to try and what's our favorite catchphrase now? Protect my peace. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to protect the peace at home, the peace that I have with myself. I don't always want to talk about that. And so it becomes it. But if it's not addressed, Mm -hmm. it's going to come out one way or the other. Mm -hmm. And so what are what are a couple of 
indicators, maybe one or two or three indicators you can think of that would signal to us that we're mixing up personal stress with relationship stress or relationship burnout? Well, I think that if you're, I mean, I want to speak to first sort of the strategies we're employing to deal with just the, the general overwhelm. I mean, you're exactly right. I don't want to read the news. What, what, what good, what, what, what am I going to open the paper paper um, to see the, the internet to and see today? Because it, it isn't going to be good. And what can I do about it? And so there is an overwhelm. And I don't want to talk about how rude people were or what, you know, I mean, I walk to my office and I pass incredible, you know, homelessness and poverty. And it's like, I don't want to think the world is just overwhelming. So what do I do? I don't want to talk about it. I want to check out. So we turn on the the television, television, (laughs) dating myself. We turn on the Netflix or the Hulu or whatever it is and just tune out together. And so first I want to say, if you notice that you and your partner are joining in just tuning out to stuff rather than connecting, um, that's an indicator that probably you're both overwhelmed and you need to find ways to sort of turn the switch back on of, all right, we need to access each other for yeah. actual engagement and support. Um, so that's that's one, the first thing I want to say. And then what are the indicators? If there is, a, you know, a, a significant change, I mean, it, and it may not be like a light switch, like all of a sudden it's... Um, worse. But if you think about where your relationship normally is, what its normal baseline is in terms of laughter, in terms of cooperation and collaboration, if it's if it's been <laughs> just sort of climbing, climbing, climbing over the period of time, and now more often than not, the new baseline is you're snarkier with each other, or um, you're not as grateful with each other, you're not as engaged with each other. Those are the indications that there's, there's a problem. And um, I mean, we all take out our outside stress in our relationship. That happens normally when we don't have a million things. Now it's just, there's there's just too much. I mean, there is just too much, literally too yeah. much for our brain to process, yeah. to be able to process things. And there is this feeling like, well, this is just normal now, so I just need to go back to living and just sort of deal. And, well, that's a lovely idea, but... <laughs> It doesn't make it less stressful to just pretend that right. it's stressful. Um, right. So I hope that answered the question. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Was I so. specific I think... enough about the about the the indicators that that things are not going well, or that 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 we're acting out our our stress on our relationship? Yeah, I, I think you were, and but I think the underlying theme is that you have to be self aware of where you are mentally and emotionally and ask yourself the question, why am I feeling this way? And like, um, you know, my background is engineering. And so we have this thing called root cause analysis. And part of root cause analysis is to ask the five whys. Why am I feeling this way? Why is this bothering me? Why, why, why? Do you really understand if this is a Sharika issue or is this a Sharika's husband issue or is this a world issue? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think I, if you're, if you, mm-hmm. go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I, I would agree with you a hundred percent. And the real magic comes in relationship when our partners are learning to ask this 
from us. And particularly for relationships with women, uh, because women tend to not want to be a bother on others. And so we will, oh, I don't want to bother my partner because, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're tired, they're stressed. And so we will not share our stuff. Um, we won't voluntarily share our stuff. So it's so powerful to have our partners ask us, how are you doing with work? How are you doing with what's going on in the world? How are you checking in? I mean, and women have had a rough, uh, few weeks. Mm. Uh, um, so uh, there's more again, another layer of stress and fear about what it is to be a woman in the world right now. Um, and so, uh, you know, having our partners check on us is so powerful. And that is one of the things that I'm, I'm training couples to make a habit of not just how's your day, but a deeper question and a deeper check-in and to look uh, for the physicality of that answer rather than just listen to the words, because words can lie. I can say I'm fine when I'm oh, not, absolutely. and women do this a lot, but our bodies oh, will absolutely. tell the real truth. Um, because I can say, mm, yum, to something I don't like. Uh, but if you're looking at me, you can tell, yeah, this isn't her favorite. Uh, and so for couples to be looking at each other and checking, how do you look um, in terms of your level of wellness and peace? Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, if, if I had to summarize what you said, I think that what you're, what you're saying is one of the keys and helping to revive a relationship too, or just keep the relationship in a healthy growing space is when both partners learn to be attentive, not just to the words that are coming out of their mouth, but attentive to the energy and the state of being that your partner is in. Because if you're not paying attention to each other, you're probably lacking also in different forms of intimacy. Because if you're yes. not unable, if you're unable to pay attention to my words and my body language, chances are you're not paying attention to my words and body language when it comes to sexual intimacy or or physical intimacy or emotional intim- intimacy. Mm-hmm. Yes, 100%. you know, and that leads to a whole a whole world of new problems there, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and and what you're speaking to is so profound uh, because, you know, like we were talking about a few minutes ago, you know, this overwhelm with everything that's going on leads us to sort of look down. We're not looking up and looking around because it's like, I can't see another thing that is stressful. Yeah. The blinders on of like, let me just look at my knitting or let me just look at the TV or let me just look at what what I'm cooking. Um, rather than looking up because we just can't, we're afraid we're going to see something else. And that is happening. And, you know, that's another indicator that there's, there's a, a problem in the relationship that there might be a transfer of stress onto the relationship is we're not looking up because we're scared our partner's going to have more stress or they're going to tell us something we don't like or that they're unhappy and we just cannot handle anything more, but it's such a mistake because (laughs) we're either going to do the work in relationship to prevent the problems and to create growth, or we're going to do the work cleaning up the mess from not doing that because there is, there, there comes a buildup of stress, of distance, um, you know, whether it's in our sexual life where we're not talking about that we haven't had sex, that we're missing sex, that the sex hasn't been great, that we're not really getting the pleasure that we each deserve. We're not talking about it 
that's not making our sex life better. It's making it worse. And so now we have to have a bigger conversation as a result of not having those little conversations along the way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's important to do the work and that's what, and you said this earlier, relationships are hard. We know this is a known fact. It's not going to go anywhere no time soon. Being in a relationship with another person, even being in a relationship with you sometimes can be hard. <laughs> but yes. you have to do the work. <laughs> you have to do the work. Mm-hmm. The work, you're going to do it in the beginning, during, and in the end. You're going to have to do the work. But this, and bring it back to burnout here, because another form of burnout I'm seeing is burnout from carrying the weight of the relationship solely on you. And so now we have to ask the question, how do we differentiate between doing the healthy work to create and sustain a healthy orgasmic relationship? How do we differentiate that bucket of work from the bucket of work that leads to burnout? Oh, that's a mouthful. That's a, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that is a big question. Well, and there's there's some here's some spicy. Uh, here's a bit of a spicy answer for you, which is that sometimes okay. when we are doing carrying the weight of the relationship, we're not in fact doing productive work for the relationship. That work that we're doing, that effort we we are putting in, is something we're doing for ourselves. Whether it's because it's what we mm. think we should do. Or we're afraid our partner will leave us if we don't do that work, or we're scared of what'll happen if we, you know, let go of the work. All that sort of stuff isn't, in fact, work for you, my partner. It's work for me. You know, this the the notion of codependence that is 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 sometimes what you're referencing. Um, is yeah. often misdefined as I'm doing everything for you. And therefore, that's codependence. I'm not actually doing it for you. I'm doing it for myself because I'm worried you're going to be mad at me. You're not going to like me. You're not going to approve of me. So one of the pieces is it's fear-based or it's shame-based. I'm not worthy of love unless I do all of the work. Um, Yes. And so, again, that speaks to the working smarter, not harder. Um, So... Figuring out, I mean, relationship, and this is a little obvious to say, but relationship is a team sport, right? We both need to be engaged with it for it really, truly to be working. So if somebody is over-functioning and someone is under-functioning, it's still a team, but the both yeah. the over-functioner and the under-functioner are participating in that dynamic. Because the overfunctioner yeah. needs an underfunctioner to be an overfunctioner, and the underfunctioner right. needs an overfunctioner to be able to underfunction, and so they both have to engage in. Let's find a healthier way. Um, and so the the conversation starter that I encourage couples to have is: Are you happy? Is this working? And I happy in the relationship sense. In the is this satisfying uh, to you? Does this feel healthy to you? Um, and to encourage them to be really honest with themselves and each other about whether this feels like it's healthy and balanced. Because often in that over-functioning, under-functioning, it takes on a parent-child dynamic where mm-hmm. somebody feels like the mom. Um, yeah. That's not orgasmic. <laughs> that, yeah. And nobody wants to, you know, ha- have sex with yeah. someone they feel like they have to tell to pick up their underwear exactly. off the floor. It's not, it's not exactly. a sexy dynamic. That's what their mom 
somebody. Right. Right. No, right. we're not doing that. <laughs> no, we're not doing that. That does not feed the the positive juices that create the sort of orgasmic relationship that we want. Um, and probably the person on the other end who is the one being told, nagged, told to pick up their socks or whatever it is, doesn't feel good either because they feel like a kid in the relationship. Like moms just, you know, they're not attracted either because they just, that's the person that tells me what to do all the time or is, is mad at me because I'm not more enthusiastic about things, but I'm not more enthusiastic because the way you approach me is from a negative orientation. So in differentiating between the good work and the bad work is the outcome of the work. If you're putting work into the relationship that isn't bringing you back connection and joy, it's not the right work. It's not, you got to totally look at approaching it from a different angle. You have to look inside and go, what, what am I looking for here? And if it's not to put pure good in the relationship, to make you feel loved, to make us feel connected, if it's not from that pure place, it's not going to work. It's not going to land because it's like, if I give you a gift and then I want you to tell me how great the gift is. That gift isn't for you. That gift is for me. I mean, does it feel good when you tell me, oh, you picked the perfect thing? Yes. But that can't be why I pick a gift out for you to get told I did a good job picking the gift out. So. Yeah. A little spicy. That's good. I I really love that answer. And again, you dropped so many gems in this one (laughs) answer. But the one I want to connect to here is the definition of work for the relationship, which is work is is good work in the relationship if it brings you connection and joy mm-hmm. and again it comes back to your relationship with yourself do you know what brings you connect what brings you joy and what makes you feel connected mm-hmm. have you had that conversation with yourself about what you want to experience in the relationship and how you want to feel in the relationship And this isn't to say that I want to feel joy and passion every single day, every hour of the day of the relationship. We got to be a little realistic here, right? It could happen (laughs) for 24 hours, probably. (laughs) But, you know, relationships are hard. Relationships take work. Relationship goes through ups and downs and seasons. But Mm -hmm. overall, are you joyous about the relationship? Overall, are you feeling connected on some level? Mm -hmm. Do you feel as if you're being your authentic self? Because, you know, when you said earlier, oftentimes when we're doing when we're in the overachieving mode and we're working hard for the relationship, um, it's, it's coming from that place of fear of shame and looking for something. You're not even know what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. so we really want to step back into ourselves and take some time to ourselves and be clear about what we want and be okay. And this is another thing I'm seeing too: relationships being okay if what I wanted in year one of the relationship is completely different than what I desire in year five or year 10 of the relationship, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we are growing and evolving human beings. And we have to allow ourselves to grow and evolve and allow our partners to grow and evolve. Mm-hmm. Because when mm-hmm. we're up in here 
trying to um, carry the weight of the relationship, it's because we sometimes I think it's because we want our partner and we want this this relationship or situation to fit this predefined mold mm-hmm. or this vision of what we developed when we were 10 years old of what a man is, of what a woman should be, and of what a relationship slash marriage should be. And that, I believe, is also causing a lot of stress, unnecessary stress, and unnecessary burnout in relationships. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know if I'm I'm talking to anybody specifically here, but... Lots of people. I mean, yeah, it goes back to that. We're born in relationship and broken in relationship. We're just doing what we were taught and maybe explicitly taught more often implicitly taught where we're just modeling what we, how, what we experienced in our early life in terms of how we were parented with a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, if we were underparented and, and there was too much independence and that was what we came to expect you know, you just do it for yourself or overparented or that women were supposed to be do this and men were supposed to do this, that we're just repeating it. And so that sort of self-inquiry and ideally couple inquiry where we're talking together. And I just created a new guide for couples to help them have these conversations specifically about money, sex, and time. But to have the question, what were you taught about being in relationship? And and do you yeah. want to continue doing what you were taught in relationship? Or do, you, do we want to develop a new way of being together, that evolution into a healthier, more connected, more conscious relationship where it's not just we're, we're just, uh, you know, automatically doing what we were taught, but instead we're making choices of you know what, I'm paying attention and this doesn't feel as connecting. We don't feel as connected when I just do this automatically um, and help yeah. each other recognize that we're in that automatic mode and say, do you really want to be doing this or is, are you just doing this because you feel like you have to, especially around right. sex, you know, like, are we just right. doing the thing that we were <laughs> taught to do or not <laughs> taught to do? Because, you know, sexuality is something that it, it isn't really healthfully taught in the United States. Yeah. You know, it's, there's a lot of shame and goofiness around what, what yeah. we're supposed to do. Um, and so learning yeah. to have safe, healthy, honest conversations with each other is critical. So you can do that self-inquiry. Yeah. And, and I think having those conversations and learning how to effectively communicate and accepting the truth of whatever it is you're communicating, that will help us so much with avoiding burnout or recovering from burnout or taking the necessary steps in order to have a healthy relationship with yourself and with your current or future partner. And I phrase it like that too, because when we begin to have these conversations with our partners about our expectations, about our desires, about what what makes us really happy sometimes the the truth that comes out of that relation of out of that communication may lead you away from that relationship mm-hmm. instead of continuing to do the hard 
I'm going to call it selfish work of staying in the relationship because you want to have a 30, 40 year marriage like your grandpa and grandma, or because this is your third marriage and you're so embarrassed to have to get another divorce, or because you like this person so much and 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 you just want to be with that person that you're willing to sacrifice anything and everything to be with that person, even your happiness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. if we're able to accept our truth versus trying to change our truths to fit what we were taught, what we were shown and what society has to say about it. <laughs> We would be so much better off, I think. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, we only get one life, right? And the choice oh, to yeah. stay or to leave a relationship should be made because it it, 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 it is right for us and no other reason. Yeah. Um, any relationship absolutely. offers the potential for healing to do that work, to he- be the relationship that heals us. Yeah. We have to choose to do the hard work. It's totally valid to choose not to. Um, you know, the unhappy part of my job is, is helping couples break up when it's time to break up. Um, yeah. But any relationship can be healthy and can be uh, fixed from whatever broken thing is there as long as both people want to. Um, yeah, except the exception being violence that, that cannot be fixed. Right, if there's right. violence, it's taken root of a relationship. It needs to end, but anything aside from that can be fixed as long as both people want to do the work and want to yeah. be with each other to do that work together. But it's totally yeah, valid it's to a- leave and people should leave if it's not, if it's not what they want. Um, yeah. cause we only get this one life. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's important to point out Like you said, relationships are where we heal and healing also can bring about connection. Because we said earlier, how do you know if you're doing the right work in the relationship and the right work will bring you feelings of connections and feelings of joy? And while the healing process may be uncomfortable, the healing process may be painful, but the process if you're if you're both doing the work, will also bring about the level of connection and a level of intimacy that either you've never had before or you're experiencing a new level of it. So I wanted to, to put that in there because I'm seeing that people are running away from relationships when it requires us to do the work, when it requires us to do the healing, thinking, oh, this don't feel good. I might not be in the right relationship, but it may be necessary in order for you to have that connection intimacy. Mm -hmm. I so appreciate that because there is this, you know, uh, I don't know, a a rash of people being like, you know, just leave. It's, it's okay. Just leave. You, you, you should leave if you're not happy. And it's like, well, all right. Yes. And hold on a second, because we're going to jump from relationship to relationship to relationship. If we don't realize that the pattern that we carry ourselves forward into the next relationship and the next relationship is going to have some of the similar issues. And it's easy to look over there and go, it's you. Um, I, I pick the wrong person. I always pick the wrong partner. Well, 
you're picking because that's what your brain recognizes as familiar to you and mm-hmm. that it's it's choosing on purpose because there's healing in this opportunity there's healing in every opportunity yes, we have lessons absolutely. to learn in every situation and so jumping to another thing doesn't guarantee happiness and and even that sort of like you know you know it's smart work if it's connecting and joyful yes and it's also going to be difficult i mean it's it's like yeah. you know going and doing a hard gym workout. It's not really necessarily joyful <laughs> running on the door, walking on the treadmill no, or, or doing the bike not, or whatever. At but at the end of it, you <laughs> feel healthy and therefore you feel connected to yourself that, all right, I've done something good for myself. So joy can, can take different forms. Uh, I don't want to be selling myself as, you know, a rainbow and unicorn person that like, oh, it's just, you know, you'll know if it's joyful. Yes. But, um, that joy can sometimes be the, the joy that comes from doing really hard work. Yeah. Right, right. Awesome. So let's talk, let's shift gears a little bit and let's, let's talk to the couples or the woman or man who is in a relationship there. Both partners have admitted to feeling the relationship burnout, the, the resentment, the dissatisfaction, or just the tiredness of mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. how you know we, we talked about the first step is having the conversation and understanding what you both want out of the relationship but what else can we do in order to revive the the health and vitality of the relationship mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. um there are so many things that we can do i mean first is that conversation to address what's happening here what are we noticing that isn't working? What are we noticing that isn't healthy? And encourage safety to be honest about that because yeah. <laughs> in relationship, we say we want honesty, but really we want the information that we want. We want people to tell us <laughs> right. that everything we're doing is great. Right. We want to be able to tell mm-hmm. them that what they're doing is not great, but <laughs> we want we want <laughs> our partner to tell us, oh, yeah, 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 I love the dinner you cooked and everything you do is perfect. So we have right. to acknowledge and encourage honesty. We have to acknowledge that it's hard and then encourage it so we can hear what isn't working for our partner. So to have that first conversation, to understand together what isn't working, and then to sort of work together to figure out what do we want? What do we want more of? And once that is done, there are actually, people get overwhelmed. I mean, that's the sort of looking down and looking at Netflix because we get overwhelmed thinking about what it's going to take, what we imagine it's going to take to change things. And it's much easier than people think um, because there are very simple, quick things that we can do, like maintaining eye contact with one another for a sustained period of time. I don't mean 30 minutes. I mean like 30 seconds where we just gently stare at each other. I mean, gently maintain (laughs) eye contact because eye contact is how humans wire together. That's how we um, co-regulate our nervous systems. So making sure to make time to be in eye contact with each other, whether you're sitting on the couch or across the table to do that, um, to make sure and greet each other in a loving way when we first see each other after being apart uh, for any significant period of time in the mornings, because that's a, a, a place of reconnection. And so some a smile and a hug or a smile and an I love you. Uh, I'm happy to see you, all that kind of stuff, Um, that we develop a practice of gratitude uh, with each other. And I know that's really cliche and everybody says that, but it's really easy, particularly when we're burned out, to focus on the things that are not going well. And so to train ourselves to notice 
he made me laugh today. She made me, you know, a coffee when she saw that I was sort of dragging. To focus our attention to those things can lift things. Um, and then yeah. to intentionally, just to name a few, to intentionally bring play into the relationship every day. Yeah. So whether absolutely. that's putting on a, you know, a, a song that you both really love to dance to, uh, a, you know, sharing a, a meme that's really cracks you up. Right. Um, playing a playing a literal game, something that brings yeah. fun back into the relationship, and you can do that for you know the longer the better, obviously. But you can do that for two minutes and just like yeah. remind each other that oh right, this <laughs> we can have fun together. Um, exactly, it's exactly. connected. Not, last- not watching TV, oh. but you know something that's connected, ideally with eye contact. Um, right, some kind of interaction with each other, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I think that. I do believe that last point about having fun and bringing intentional joy into the relationship is an important key for a healthy relationship, not just recovering from burnout, but just Mm -hmm. a key to healthy relationship. That's something that me and my husband, we started in the wintertime this year. uh, Because we're in Chicago and winters here last like nine months. Like, I don't even understand it. Oh my god! <laughs> and then you're and then you're in hell because the the summers in Chicago are also brutally hot. So you go the summer. I come alive. Ah. Let me tell you. I, I tell my husband. I was like, you know, I'm gonna be in these streets all summer, right? <laughs> I have to be outside. I have to be in the sunshine. If it's sunshine outside, chances are I'm going to be outside. Nice. So, but in the winter time, yeah. In the wintertime, we started um, a fun night. We have a fun night. I think it's like every Thursday. Then we have date night on Saturday or Sunday, and which really helped us because in the wintertime, it's really crabby here. Like you don't want to go nowhere. You want to do anything. You really get into this rut of just coming home and watching TV or coming home and browsing the internet or something like that. Mm-hmm. But... Um, Bringing that type of fun night and joy night into the relationship really has really been fun. We don't mm-hmm. do as, as much here in the summertime because we're outside much more often now. Mm-hmm. But in the wintertime, I'm like, we got to bring this back into the relationship because it's not, not only is it fun, it creates memories. It gives me something to talk about. I think I'm the storyteller of the relationship. And so um, it's it's been really it's been really amazing. And it, you may not know this, Carol, but we're recently married. So we're still like in the honeymoon oh, phase. But that's we're, amazing. we're in our 40s. Mm-hmm. Thank you. We're in our 40s. And so we have this pre-marriage life of work, <laughs> traffic, <laughs> grocery shopping. Like we, we do life. And so mm-hmm. we're not in our 20s where, you know, we're going out on the weekends and doing all this extra stuff. So we're more, much more adultish or grownish mm-hmm. <laughs> and bringing that sense of freedom and sense of fun into the relationship i think is has been really good not just for our relationship but for also our mental and our emotional health as individuals too so i am a big proponent of absolutely of not just doing the the hard work but doing the fun work Outside mm-hmm. of sex, because it's oftentimes mm-hmm. will probably lead to sex anyway. But yeah, exactly, <laughs> doing it all, <laughs> doing it all. Well, and, and couples get you Absolutely. know, 
I frequently get asked how important is date night and date nights are fantastic and fun night. I love that. Uh, I'm going to steal that. I think, uh, I love that. And for some couples, it's not logistically possible and they get really stressed of like, we've got, we've got young kids. And by the time the young kids go to sleep, we just want to, we just want to pass out. We're so tired from our jobs and our young kids. Uh, Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Totally get it. So if you can't do a fun night and a date night or just a date night or just a fun night, you can do it in five minutes. You can, you know, put exactly. on that, that that crazy song and dance like idiots in your living room where you're just being yep. super silly. So not to be afraid from if all you have in a day is 30 seconds, do it. I mean, and it comes down to priorities uh, because, you know, we make time for brushing our teeth a couple times a yep. day, a few times a day. Yeah. Why don't we make time for our relationship? Because relationships don't take care of themselves. They don't. They don't. People will get married and then just check it off the box. Okay, life life achievement uh, accomplished. I don't need to do any more. I don't need to think about my relationship anymore. Wrong. You have to do yeah. things every day, like weeding the garden or, you know, picking up your house or doing your dishes. You have to do it every day or it piles up. Yep. Um, exactly. So, and three seconds a either. day. It doesn't <laughs> smell good. <laughs> exactly right. Absolutely. Dishes pile up or you let dirty gym clothes pile up. Guess what? The it shit stinks. stinks. The shit stinks. You know, exactly right. Yep. exactly what happens in the relationship. You don't take care of it. It began to get funky. <laughs> it gets funky. Exactly right. And like no shame to couples that have let the stuff pile up because it has been an overwhelming couple of years. I mean, like you said, yeah. it was like three years, I would go back to 2016, 2015, the last uh, election, big election cycle. Or um, <laughs> Anyway, yeah. that's when I would, I would start uh, naming it back to when things really like took a spike in stress levels uh, around yeah. the U S but yeah. um, it's been a stressful period of time and going into survival mode, as you talked about exactly right. So there's no shame. I don't want people to like not talk about it and be oh, like, Ooh, no. I'm embarrassed, but just, all right, it's never too late to pick up the, the stanky stuff and, and <laughs> throw it in the wash and yeah. start anew. Uh, and yeah. by start anew, I mean, all right, let's, let's clear the decks. Let's, let's, you know, reorient and create some new habits. And you can start with like 30 seconds a day if that's all you want. And once that feels good, add another new habit and add another new habit up to like, you know, I mean, I have a guy that's like in under 20 minutes a day, you can do these five things and notice an immediate, immediate response to your relationship. Um, Yeah. And, and, And that's really key because some of us who are probably natural overachievers, like we're all the, we're always probably the teacher's pet when we were in elementary school and stuff. We like doing work, but sometimes when you get in a position where you let the relationship kind of tend to itself and it didn't, you feel this sense of shame about it. Mm -hmm. And now you feel overwhelmed about Mm -hmm. all the things you have to do in order to get the relationship back on track. One bite at a time, 30 Mm -hmm. seconds at a time, five minutes at a time. You are not obligated to do everything all at once at the same time. That will burn you out. Yes, it will. And it's impossible. Yeah. It's impossible. It's, it's, it's impossible to go from doing nothing to trying to, you know, build a spaceship to Pluto. <laughs> You're probably not going to be able to do that in your lifetime. Right. <laughs> in exactly. 24 hours. Exactly. Well, but 
you take five minutes to figure out where Pluto is, that's a starting point. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and what you're talking about is is coming from like that panic energy of like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I've yeah. let this go too long. Let me fix it. Let me fix it. Let me do all of the things. And that's not going to be connected. It's not going to be connected to yourself and it's not going to be connecting to the relationship exactly. because you're like freaking out um, and just trying to do everything. Uh, your partner's just going to be like, what, what, what's happening over there? What are you doing? Um, right. Cause you're, if you're tuning in, you know, it's like, all right, we're going to play now. Well, wait, is, is that matching where your partner's at right now? Or do you need to sit right. and sort of connect with the fact that they're feeling sad? Um, so it is about, you know, tuning in. Um, and so those slow, quick steps, um, I just said, uh, opposite things, but slow, easy steps are the key, um, to, to making sustainable change. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that, Carolyn. I have, I want to ask you before we end our conversation today, what is one thing you would like our audience to take away from this entire conversation we had today? I think, um, to the main thing that I, I, I'm repeating a lot is for couples, for people to be gentle with themselves, to understand how hard it is right now, how hard relationships right now. And so to give yourself by yourself, you and your relationship care and sort of understanding that it's hard mm-hmm. on a good day. And these are not good days that we're facing um, yeah. out in the world. Yeah. So to be understanding and to turn to each other and use each other um, as a resource that you're both going through it. And it's hard for both of you uh, and to connect around that. Um, And, and this is one and a half to get support because people think and culture, this is taught that it must mean something bad about your relationship. If your relationship needs support and that's crap. And it makes me so mad because it is the hardest thing we do as adults is be in a healthy relationship. And yet we expect to do it without support. We have coaches and mentors and teachers and bosses in every area of our life, but we think that having it in our relationship means something and it doesn't. So access support in whatever form feels good to you, whether that's a coach or a therapist or a pastor or a friend, get support for your relationship, a book, a video, whatever, get support for your relationship. You deserve it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Carol. I have really enjoyed our conversation here today and I really believe our audience has as well. So how can our audience connect with you? I know you mentioned that you have a worksheet um, that you mm-hmm. that you developed. Tell us a little bit more about that and how they can get that worksheet and connect with you as well. Sure. Um, I would love for them to have it. I'm, I'm trying to get it out there because I just really want couples to have support. Um, it's the five tips to reviving your relationship. It's actually the five tips, yeah. five easy tips to get out of your relationship rut by this weekend. It is the weekend uh, as we're recording this, but uh, it's <laughs> sort of like in five days you can revive your relationship and you can reach that at my, uh, at the website, which is secureconnections.com backslash five tips secureconnectionscoaching.com backslash five tips, but I'm secure connections coaching on Instagram and on Facebook. Um, I have little videos with little 30 second, one minute clips to help people with little tidbits. Um, and you know, those are the, that those places have, have links to all the stuff. Um, so Instagram and Facebook is probably the easiest way. 
Fantastic. Thank you so much, Carolyn, for sharing that with you. And and thank you for sharing this time, your expertise with me and our audience here. So again, I appreciate you and I'm grateful that our paths crossed. Actually, you reached out to me. So I'm really grateful that you reached out um, to to make yourself available for this. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you and so much for having me. Uh, you're, you're, I reached out to you because your podcast just spoke to me about what your your mission is here. So I'm so grateful that you have this platform to help women really connect to themselves and create that orgasmic life that they deserve. So thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Carolyn. And to our audience, thank you so much for tuning in with us today. And as always, remember to be bold, brilliant, and completely unstoppable of what your heart truly desires in your life and in your relationships. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.